I was uh, driving behind you, uh, you know, a few blocks back, and I, I couldn't uh, help. Uh, maybe you didn't realize I, 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 I witnessed that uh, um, your your you left rear tires a little low. But I don't want to be a secondary character. <laughs> Hello. Hello. And welcome to this week's episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. I am one of your hosts, Eduardo Corrochio. And my name is Michael. <laughs> You're so good looking. <laughs> no, my real name is Stephen. And my real name's Ivan. And every week we take a random episode of the show and examine the secondary characters from it. And uh, what are we doing this week, Ivan? This week we're going to season three, my friend. We are doing season three, episode 19, The Good Samaritan. And you know what's really interesting about this one? Uh, Jason Alexander directed it. That's right. And he's the only star on the show who directed an episode of Seinfeld, would you believe it? I'm surprised Jerry didn't get behind the director's chair. You think he would have done maybe one or two? No, he's too busy writing. Yeah, and actually. Yeah, he's got enough. <laughs> he's got enough in producing and all that jazz. Yeah, too many, too many hats for him. That's it. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yes, the only one directed by Jason Alexander, and uh, yeah, he was recently in Australia for his stand-up tour. It's quite a coincidence. Like we weren't planning on doing the Good Samaritan while he was here. It just happened to be on the list. Yeah, it's just one of those coincidences again. Yeah, a very yeah. happy coincidence. He yeah. actually won an award as well. I think. He, well, he was sorry nominated for I think a Directors Guild Award or okay. some some award ceremony for directors. Yeah, but he actually lost to Tom Sharonis, who won. For for the contest. Oh, there you go. Which I think if you're going to lose to an episode of the same show, it's going to be that episode. <laughs> it's going to be that show. Oh, yeah. No contest, <laughs> so to speak. No contest. Yeah, and, and The Good Samaritan was really interesting how it felt more like a Woody Allen movie, didn't it? Yeah, it was like, a bit weird. Yeah, it was like very Kirby. It was more Kirb than Seinfeld. Yeah. Yeah, in, in parts. Yeah, it, it was, yeah, it wasn't so different that it felt completely off. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it had a slight different, uh, slightly different sort of feel to it. And, you know, that makes sense given it was directed by someone different. Absolutely. You can get in touch with us by email bidwabasspodcast at gmail.com you can say hello uh, on Instagram Twitter uh, Reddit or Facebook all those links are in the show notes and if you want to support us financially up until recently we did have a Patreon but we've decided to pause that if you want to listen to why go back to last week's episode and we do go into it a tiny bit that's right uh, in the meantime though you can donate uh, regularly or as a one-off through PayPal and uh, I also have a Facebook group as well you do Seinfeld isms and that's 30k members strong yeah over the me. weekend I think Sunday night uh on the 23rd of feb Good uh, Lord. <laughs> we ticked over 30k yeah well done which is really awesome so yeah, we're yeah. still growing pretty uh strongly nice you get the odd troll here and there there was this guy the other day who was like calling you names and stuff like mm. the admins delete me i dare you and yeah. we're all having fun with him it was yeah. good he got like 300 comments or something yeah everyone was just bagging him it was good yeah yeah i, I usually send some pretty vicious private messages to dickheads like that nice yeah and it turns <laughs> out that they're just giant babies giant babies yeah and there's also really heartfelt stories as well like there's really good ones where there's people who've had operations or they've gone through some circumstances personally and they they go on to Seinfeldisms and it makes them feel good. So it's really nice that it's had that effect on some people too. Yeah, I just started it as a place for people to share Seinfeld stuff and talk about Seinfeld, but the fact that it actually has an emotional impact rather than just a humorous impact is a uh, unintended consequence, but an, an amazing one nonetheless. Yeah. So you did good, kid. Yes, you did good. I didn't do anything. That's the thing. <laughs> I was I, I kind of compare it to growing a beard. Like I used to have a massive beard. Yeah, and everyone that's right. Would always say, "Oh man, that's such an awesome beard!" Like commending me for some great effort, and it's like. The less I do, the bigger it gets. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's, it's the opposite of effort. Yeah, that's it. What do you have this week for Seinfeld news, my friend? Uh, we've got two, one local and uh, one not so local. So continuing on from last week, lately it's been a heavy Jason Alexander 
uh, sort of news. And we're bringing it into the Good Samaritan this week as well. Yeah, it makes sense. A nice <laughs> yeah. little dovetail. Yeah. Like we said before, he is in the country at the moment uh, and he's just wrapped up his tour, I think, last night uh, as of recording. And a bit of a controversy, I say, probably the only controversy uh, from the tour. A lady by the name of Bethany Williams uh, attended Jason Alexander's live show in Canberra uh, last week. And uh, during the Q&A part of the show, she put up her hand and asked what Jason's favorite memory was of uh, backstage antics and, yeah. and, and during the show. Yeah, yeah. And uh, in response, apparently he just called her a sad, pathetic woman and then moved on to the next uh, the next question. <laughs> a sad, pathetic woman. Yeah. Uh, and she Jesus. was pretty pissed off about it. I don't blame took, her. Yeah, she took to Twitter and, and tagged him in a tweet and said, you know, what a ripoff, basically, that yeah. she saved a lot of money and she yeah. was really looking forward to it. And uh, she doesn't really have any respect for Jason anymore. And uh, as we were saying before, Jason's pretty active on Twitter. Mm. And uh, he actually responded and he did apologize. And he said that uh, he meant it sort of sarcastically. And uh, that I guess the tone was lost, but he didn't mean it yeah. the way it came across. The way it came across. It was meant to be sarcastic. Yeah. 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 Uh, but she's responded to that. And her friend has actually backed her up saying that they don't really believe him. No. So maybe he was serious about it. He, I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know. Well, he's got a, a, an interesting sense of humor. Yeah. You know, so. yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. A- apparently, he wanted more sort of spicy questions right. about like crazy tour stories and stuff, but not just sort of generic Seinfeld questions. Sure, sure. So, maybe he was just a bit bored of it. Maybe. Um, and he just wanted to kind of spice it up. Yeah, maybe. Joke, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> sad, pathetic woman. I'd be honored to be called sad and pathetic by George oh, Costanza. I, I'd, be sad. I'd be happy for that Even too. if I asked a very specific question and that was the answer, <laughs> I'd be more happy with that than the actual answer. In scene three... Of Pretty Woman with yeah. your scene with Julia Roberts at the Polo Club. <laughs> You're wearing this kind of suit. Yes. <laughs> you sad, pathetic man. Yeah. <laughs> That'll work. <laughs> In the Itchy and Scratchy video game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Itchy and Scratchy. Something comic, about the yeah. skeleton key and Homer's just like, what the hell are you what talking about? What the hell are you about? talking about? Yeah, In the Simpsons, yeah. What's the other one? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. When Itchy plays a uh, scratchy skeleton like a xylophone, he hits the same button twice, but... There's clearly two notes. Two distinct notes. Are you trying to tell me that this is some sort of <laughs> magic xylophone? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'd be me. Yeah. I'd, I'd just be going through like Jason Alexander's like filmography and be like, in this scene, scene five of this film that you did in 1992, this you wore this kind of thing or you did this. Yeah. What was your It reaction? quickly cuts back and it's a slightly different shade of yellow. Yeah. <laughs> what was the situation? What was the situation there? <laughs> that's right. That, was was that, the costume designer fired for that? That's right. That would be sad and pathetic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> What's the next one? That's like banner level punishment. Yeah, questions. absolutely. Uh, I'm sure he wouldn't get that all the time, though. No, <laughs> no, no. What's the next one? Second bit of news: the uh, actor Yul Vasquez. He plays uh, Bob, part of the Bob and Cedric Street Tough duo. One of my top ten secondary characters. Who? Who is not wearing their ribbon? Uh, he was recently interviewed by AV Club, and uh, of course Seinfeld was brought up because it is one of his most iconic roles. And uh, he was asked what inspired the, I guess, the villainy of Bob mm. and his pretty sort of aggressive attitude. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and in the interview, interestingly, he said that the role was inspired by his mother. Uh, he described his mother as a very intense Cuban lady. He was terrified of her his whole life, and he oh. sort of channeled that energy and put it out into the world via Bob. Fantastic. And he's definitely one of the more memorable villains in Seinfeld. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah next he's to Newman. A, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's quite a few villains, but he's uh, he's 
he's sort of in his own category. I think yeah. he's probably the most aggressive villain. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Newman other is... Than, actually, yeah. Other than uh, Joe Devola. Joe Devola. Joe Devola is just psychopathic. That's, yeah, that's he, actually <laughs> ma- he actually... He doesn't, threat, he doesn't threaten aggression. He actually commits aggression. He commits aggression. He yeah. goes ahead with what he says yeah. he'll do and worse. Yeah. Um, no, it's funny. Yeah, because Bob, compared to Newman, Newman is evil, but he's kind of like benevolent in some ways. Oh, he's sort of more maniacal. Maniacal. Conniving. conniving, yes. yes. Yeah, whereas, he's, a, he's a weak, pathetic man. Yeah, he is. But he plays mind games. Whereas Bob is more flat out aggressive. Yeah, he's just, he's just, I'm going to kick the shit out of you. And a feminine, a street tough. tough, street tough. Yeah, yeah he's a very confusing villain. He sure is. But uh, yeah, a good one nonetheless. But you can see the influence. I mean, yeah, because they're meant to be a couple, obviously, Bob and Cedric. Yeah. So yeah, I can see the yeah the feminine side of Bob and I can see how he channeled his mother. That's right. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, so uh, Yule's mother, if you're still alive uh, and <laughs> hanging out in Cuba, thank you. Thank you. You've given a great gift to the world. You sure have. And that's all the Seinfeld news for the week. Very good, buddy. When we come back, let's take a really short break because we have said quite a few things. Let's be good Samaritans. Whenever we see hit and runs, let's just report it to the police and not fall in love with the driver. We're going to take a quick break. And we are talking about the secondary characters from The Good Samaritan. I have notes on Angela, the aforementioned hit and run driver, as well as Robin and Mike. Michael, the couple regarding the, oh, in relation to the sneeze, uh, God bless you and all that stuff. And also some notes on Becky and Gelke. Yes, that's her name. Yes, and they're all the secondaries I have notes on too. Great, we'll be right back. Hi. Hello. I'm Beth. I believe you're expecting me. Yes. Please come in. Medea opens the door wider, allowing Beth to walk into the house. She looks around cautiously outside before closing the door. You have a beautiful home. Medea smiles as she looks at her feet, her face growing slightly red. The two women then make their way upstairs and into the lounge room. The Descent, a three-part audio drama. This psychological thriller is centred around Medea, a young woman trying to run from her past and forge a better life for herself. But the past is never far behind. Part 1, Medea, coming to you this February. Season 3, Episode 19, The Good Samaritan, we are talking about today on Bidwabask. But quick plot synopsis. First aired in the US on March 4th, 1992, directed by, as we mentioned before, Jason Alexander, a.k.a. George Costanza, and written by Peter Melman. After Jerry sees the car in front of him sideswipe a parked car near his apartment, he decides to follow it and confront the driver. She turns out to be a very attractive woman by the name of Angela, played by Melinda McGraw. She soon has him under her thumb, but although they're dating, Jerry is having second thoughts about the morality of not doing something about the accident. His resolve changes when he hears that the victim was a pretty neighbour he wanted to meet for a long time. Blonde hair, blue sweatpants. She's played by Becky, oh, her character name, sorry, is Becky Gelke, and she's played by Helen Slater. Uh, also, Kramer, meanwhile, has a gash on his forehead, something he got when he seemingly passed out. No one can quite figure out why until they start watching Mary Hart on Entertainment Tonight. <laughs> Wasn't that a funny uh, funny slapstick moment, you know, when you see him having his seizure? Yeah, it's one of his best physical comedy yeah. routines as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And the fact that uh, Jerry and... Uh, Elaine are so yeah, ob- oblivious Julia, to are, are, it. Well, not that just that they're oblivious to it but the actors were able to keep a straight face I reckon Absolutely. they would have had to have done so many takes yeah that kind of reminds me of the last scene where um, Helen you know the, the actress who plays Becky mm. is you know Kramer goes up and they're ready for the date and she yeah. has E.T. in the background and then he has the seizure you can see her trying to hold in her laughter too that would have been hard as well I think it was probably easier because he was behind them if yeah. he was in front of them 
it would have been a lot harder. Oh, so the fact that Poor it was Helen. out of sight, yeah, yeah, probably in made that scene. it uh, easier not to laugh. Yeah, exactly. Other secondary characters are Anne Talman. She plays Robin. She's the one who has an affair with George, or actually, she commits adultery, not George. Yeah. And uh, Joseph Malone plays her husband, Michael, a very aggressive kind of guy, much like Angela is aggressive herself. Some trivia for this episode: we have mentioned before that this is the first and only episode directed by Jason Alexander, and uh, he's the only star of the show to direct. Yeah. Mm. I wonder if any of the other core four, um, or even like, say, Wayne Knight, like a sort of more major secondary, ever expressed a, a desire to write or direct. I don't know. We have to go through the DVD commentary, I guess. Yeah, I've never heard anything. Yeah. I feel like we would have heard about something by now, but, yeah. you know, if it was ever something that happened but just wasn't recorded or has never been mentioned in an interview. Yeah. I'm, I don't know why Jason directed this episode. He might have, like, expressed his interest, like you said. Yeah. Maybe he was pretty keen. And maybe it was nutted it out in this uh, season's contract. Maybe. You know, maybe he said, you know, I'll sign on, but I want to direct an episode yeah, or have the cool. option to. Yeah, cool. Um, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe he was just on good enough terms with Larry and Jerry and, and he had enough leverage to to uh, to to do it. Give I don't it know, maybe go. he directed yeah. stuff in the past and he could say, look, I can direct. Yeah, maybe. You know, he had yeah. stuff to back it up. Well, a lot of theatre stuff. Obviously, his background yeah. is theatre, so maybe he's done a lot of theatre direction. Yeah, I don't know if he's done theatre direction back that early. Oh, okay. Because it's starting sure. to do it now, I think. Yeah. I heard no, need to be yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I'm glad cool. I did it. It's a great episode. Yeah, it's actually really fun. Yeah. And like I said, it's it's it does have the conventions of a Seinfeld episode, but it just has that kind of different, you know, flavor to it. That yeah. Alexanderism. Yeah. It's 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 not like a season nine episode, but it's similar to season nine in that it still feels very Seinfeldy, but mm. it's just got a slightly different twist. Yeah, absolutely. Or a slightly different feel and and like other season three episodes that we've seen or we you know we've covered before very well-rounded secondary characters yeah with lots of life usually some secondary characters especially in the later seasons like they're still there but they're not fully defined whereas yeah, they're I just find space in, fillers yeah exactly where as i find in season three they're just really well-rounded like yeah. you could easily see them in future episodes of the show yeah for yeah. sure yeah so it's really well done um do you have any other trivia yeah so the aforementioned uh seizures that kramer has in reaction to mary hart's voice initially they weren't sure about whether they should include it in the episode because it is a bit sort of wacky and a bit medically untrue. Mm. Uh, well, you would think so, but it turns out it's actually uh, there is actually a case that was reported in the New England Journal of Medicine. Yeah, and that that article uh, or that report was read by I think one of the writers or maybe Larry. Um, and because it was there was a real life case of it, they felt like well, it is based on even though it's really weird, there is enough uh, basis and reality to include it as part of Kramer's storyline in this episode. Yeah, and also in the earlier seasons, much like the well-rounded secondary character. Because Kramer didn't really have any elaborate plots too mm. much in the earlier seasons, so they kind of he was really like a side character of sorts. Yeah. Um. So they kind of had to give him, I guess, something to kind of go on, and that seizure thing kind of worked. Yeah, it that was, was more enough of, to get him through. Yeah, it was more yeah. about you know weird things he did, not weird plots that he was mm. part of or, or weird schemes. Schemes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. And the the lady she was recorded as her name being Diane Neal. She was the person who suffered from the seizures, and uh, that was recorded in 1991. Yeah. And she didn't after hearing Mary Hart's voice, uh, she started getting seizures. That's so strange. Very strange. Must be something the tone or the timbre of the voice. Yeah. That who must knows? be um, something. Yeah. <laughs> it's I have crazy, no idea. Huh? Yeah. And uh, just I got one more bit of trivia. So um the cast and crew they'd hoped to repeat the success of the uh, catchphrase the 
these pretzels are making me thirsty from the alternate side in an earlier season three episode they were hoping that you are so good looking would catch on but uh didn't actually happen proved to be a comedic flop yeah it turns out it was a bit of a dud a little bit i mean some people on seinfeld isn't your page and other uh, pages do say you're so good looking but yeah it doesn't quite have that staying it's not like power. no for you no it doesn't have pretzels making me yeah, thirsty or yeah yeah you know, or yeah, yeah whatever yeah here's to here's to what is it feeling good all the time yeah yeah yeah. yeah it just doesn't have that flavor i guess yeah, yeah. stacy actually is a big fan of you're so good looking she, she says it quite a lot she She's does like, yeah so good looking whenever you sneeze does she say it uh sure sure okay next maybe pretend to sneeze next time yeah i don't think yeah we'll we'll just put her on the spot and see if she says it oh maybe i'll sneeze if she's not listening we should probably listen to this yeah when i'm around her i'll sneeze we'll just keep sneezing until she says it (laughs) yeah that's right or eventually she says god bless you yeah (laughs) i never get a god bless you out of you Stephen. after three years three years yeah and you're like i only said it because he wasn't gonna open his mouth (laughs) and then it creates this awkward awkward situation that's right three years end of the end of the podcast three years like I have to go on tour with <laughs> someone to escape you. That's right. Three years like Robin and Michael. Yeah. I never got one from you either. So there you go. I, I can understand s- her pain. And then I sleep with someone and it's all just... Yeah. It's all, yeah. Commit yeah. adultery or somehow, <laughs> but yes. Anyway, let's move on to the secondary characters, hey? Let's talk about Angela first of all. She is the hit and run driver. She's played by Melinda McGraw. She's appeared in TV shows including Mad Men and The X-Files. She's also appeared in the film The Dark Knight. I don't know which role. Um, uh, she plays Jim Gordon's wife. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Oh, so the police nice. commissioner's wife. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, she's, I think her yeah. most well-known scene is when the, the cops come to deliver the news that Jim Gordon's been killed. Ah, oh, that's the her. Yes. Yeah. Sure, and she sure. sort of like breaks down crying at the okay, door. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Uh, cool. That's her. There you mm. go. That's Angela. Yeah. She is a very morally corrupt morally reprehensible person Mm. and she's just really aggressive too like even when jerry says that she'll give he'll give her name to becky you know saying that she was the hit and run driver she gets really mad threatens much like michael in the previous scene threatens to like hurt jerry in very serious ways like almost comedically violent yeah she was very comedic initials into your brain tissue and stuff Yeah, just the way she said it as well it's just really comedic like a cartoon villain you know yeah Um, i mean I, i wouldn't take her specific threats seriously themselves but I would definitely take her general anger and uh, ability to wreak havoc Yeah, uh, seriously. Something tells me that she's a repeat hit-and-run driver. It's mm-hmm. not her first radio. Yeah, uh, I think she's probably done many things, or she just doesn't feel like she has any sense of self-responsibility Yeah, or self-reflection. I, I think she just does things, and she just doesn't think about it. She's like, oh, I don't care. Yeah, I think uh, I had a bit of a theory. I think she's, a, she's in some sort of unstable situation in her life. Right. I think she just has a generally unstable lifestyle. Mm. Uh, And I think she always feels like she's one bad incident away from sort of like catastrophe. And I think the hit and run, obviously, if Jerry reported it or if she got caught by another witness or something, she'd probably end up in jail, especially if she had a record. Mm, Right. Um, So you think she didn't have a record maybe? Yeah. Or she didn't have the money to pay the... Yeah. I just think think her life is a bit sort of chaotic and a bit unstable. Yeah. And she's always one incident away from catastrophe or something horrible. Mm -hmm. And that makes her on edge and that makes her really aggressive Mm -hmm. because she's always worried that that catastrophe will happen. Yeah. You know? Disaster um, will strike. Yeah, yeah. I, I think she always feels like she's on the edge a bit. So she's more in the defensive, like a defensive kind of mode. I still think Jerry. she's very morally... Uh, Irreprehensible. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think she's an evil person. No. I just no. think she has no moral core. No. And I think that is in part influenced by a bad 
you know, life circumstance, probably created by a series of bad decisions. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. And maybe she had like a rougher upbringing yeah, or something perhaps. like that. Yeah. And she just doesn't know how to get the reins on her life to make it a bit more stable. So she's in a better position to make more uh, sound decisions so mm. that her life doesn't sort of go in uh, darker directions, darker I guess. Directions. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, there you go. So Jerry is just so... I don't know, admonished by her. Just so, so not in love, but just really attracted to her. Well, she is quite... I think she knows... I was trying to think, did she know... When Jerry uh, went over to a car, it's almost like she knows that Jerry knows. And because she immediately starts... Like when when she gets out of the car, you look at her face and when Jerry starts talking, she kind of... There's like a few seconds you can see her thinking about like what's going on here. Mm, And then she realizes maybe she saw... Maybe she's just really observant. She probably saw Jerry behind her or something. Yeah, Yeah. maybe she noticed his car or something like that. Yeah, it must be something. You know, because they were driving... Like Jerry looked like he was driving from like the airport or like he didn't look like he was just driving down the road. Yeah, plus Jerry does drive a distinct car as well. Yeah, At the time he drove, I think, a black BMW. No, it was a Saab, I think. Was, was, was it a Saab? I thought a Saab was later. I thought he oh, did. Was it? I thought the smelly car oh, was a BMW. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no, So, you know, right. he drives like not a conventional car, yeah. like a Toyota or a Nissan or yeah. whatever. So, yeah. obviously, she probably saw his car and thought, mm. oh, the black BMWs. I saw that just before. Must yeah, and car. I think she figured yeah. out that Jerry didn't just come up to her for no reason, that he's trying to sort of like ease his way into the conversation of confrontation. Right. And then she turns on the flirtatious sort of seductive mm. side. Mm. And she Jerry's, has that allure. Jerry's hooked. Mm-hmm. She kind of reminded me a bit of... Um, uh, uh, which film? Which TV no, show? No, no, no. George's girlfriend in... Uh, Marlene. Marlene. Oh, you know, Marlene. You know she's quite sexy. Oh, the ex-girlfriend. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And Jerry ends up dating her. Yeah. Yeah. I, but she, she doesn't have that southern charm. No. That's the difference. And also a tiny bit... I can't remember her name, but she's the blonde woman who just gets gets away all the time because she's beautiful and blonde. Oh, like yeah, of, the one of, who, yeah, 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 one of Jerry's girlfriends, yeah. yeah. And it's actually funny, now you mention it, there is that shot of, uh, remember in The Ex-Girlfriend where Marlene looks at Jerry, but it's kind of from the back of his head in yeah. the car. It's the same shot with Angela yeah. as well. Yeah, so yeah. that kind of reminded me of her. Yeah, I think, I think she's very, because her life uh, is a bit chaotic and she's always in these sort of like dodgy situations, I think she's learned how to use her feminine wiles and her sultriness <laughs> to sort of get away out of, I can imagine her very easily getting out of a speeding ticket oh, yeah. by flirting with a cop. Absolutely. And, you know, and I, so I think she's had to do it almost as like an adaptation yeah. or a way, to, uh, a way to cope or survive. So you think she was never really into Jerry? She's just kind of doing it to try and get out of this situation? Uh, I think there was some attraction there. Okay. Um, I think if she was completely unattracted to him and she just wanted him to not dob on her, she could have just threatened him straight away. Mm-hmm. She could have just gone straight to that. Uh, but I think it was more of a strategy than a than a genuine uh, like relationship. Yeah. I think it was maybe a bit of both. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So I, she, what do you think happened to her? You probably didn't learn a lesson. Yeah, I reckon she I probably got caught one day. Yeah. Like eventually, a, eventually, I think she would have gotten caught. Yeah. Probably yeah. in jail, <laughs> in yeah. prison. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think she even would have had to have threatened Jerry to keep him quiet. No. Even Jerry, Jerry was making a joke of it. Even yeah. he was laughing. He yeah. was like when she was yelling and Elaine walked in, oh, hi, Elaine, this is Angela. Yeah. yeah. Like so when just, when, when yeah. Jerry and George, uh, you know, Jerry's trying to convince himself that he's got morals and, you know, when him and George are like, you know, what kind of person would I be? Mm. They're almost taking the piss out of themselves because oh, they know that they don't have any morals and they're almost <laughs> just trying to disingenuously convince themselves that they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I reckon after she walked out that door, he wouldn't have thought of it ever again. Nah. He didn't need a threat to keep quiet. He didn't care anyway. Nah. Yeah. 
yeah, he got a root from Logic <laughs> and he's happy, you know? Yeah, like, he's good, yeah, and he just yeah. moves on to the next one exactly. next week. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, yeah, so Angela, morally irreprehensible and yeah, possibly a tough upbringing. And uh, yeah, definitely, I reckon she probably did, got what she deserved in the end. Yeah, yeah, eventually it would have caught up to her. Absolutely. Next secondary character is Robin. She is played by Anne Talman. She's appeared in the films Wall Street, Serendipity and Limitless. Robin, she is, uh, yeah, obviously Michael's wife, and uh, Michael and Robin go to dinner with Elaine, and it's meant to be Jerry, but George tags along for the free feed, and uh, yeah, she... You pay, I'll go. You pay, I'll go. And uh, for the first time in three years, someone says, God bless you when she sneezes, couldn't get one out of her husband for three years, and uh, she feels really, I don't know, pleased by George to the point where she's attracted to him sexually. Yeah, I think she just feels noticed. And she even mentions, like, because George says, uh, they talk about the adultery in the bed, and then she makes a good point saying, if it wasn't you, it was going to be someone else. Yeah. So I think she was probably pining for maybe something. I don't think she was pining for something extramarital, probably more for the sex, probably more for, like, the fact that the other party would kind of understand her and, like, connect with her. Yeah, I, I think guess. she just wanted to be seen and noticed. And Yeah, seen and noticed. And, and yeah. valued as a person. I'm guessing, well, we haven't talked about Michael yet, but I'm guessing Michael's probably a workaholic, never at home, and, you know, Robin just feels lonely and uh, kind of wants, I don't know, wants some more company and attention. Yeah, I've got a slightly different theory on Michael, but we'll talk about that when we get to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just think she feels repressed and a bit isolated in a marriage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yep. She's not very happy at all. No, she's not. I think it's not. a very shitty, toxic marriage. Yeah. And I think she's just been looking for something. And I think George makes a good point, and it's not Elaine's fault, but I think when uh, Elaine's talking to uh, Michael and Robin about Edward, Ed, Ed, Eduardo Corocio. Corocio, yes. Eduardo uh, Corocio. You know, you can see our eyes light up. Just the idea of this, like, fantasy of, like, a, a bullfight, a matador. Like in, a in, Southern in European yeah, guy. Just, just yeah, even yeah, a vague yeah. fantasy is pure escapism It's like her. something out of Mills and, uh, out of Mills and Boone. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, one like, of like escapist fantasy romantic novels. sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I think that sort of is... I think she's been having impulses for a little while about just doing something completely against the marriage vows. Daring, yeah. And I think she's just, yeah, in a repressed marriage. She probably came from, like, maybe a conservative background. Maybe. I got I, the, I'm guessing Michael's probably the only person she's been with. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. my guess. Probably yeah. married young. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I just think the reason why she stayed with Michael is probably maybe because of just low self-esteem, yeah. low self-worth. Yeah. Um, and she's just had enough, and mm-hmm. George was nice to her. Yeah, that's right, and that's all she needed. She just mm. needed that that opening, that so to speak, to uh, find her extramarital pursuits. Yeah. That's all she and needed. I, and I think the... I don't think it was just for her. I think it was also a fuck you to Michael as well. That too, Because yeah. it felt very calculated. Yeah. Like she even, she even yeah. says, if it wasn't you, it was going to be someone. That's, that's what I, I think said she, before. I think yeah, she yeah, wanted right. to mess with Michael. That's right. You know? I love George's response to it. He goes, oh, you shouldn't do that. There's so many losers out yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> and meanwhile, he's got like the dinosaur pillowcases and the Justice League poster, George, in yeah, his yeah, bed. Yeah, yeah. It's like a kid's bedroom. <laughs> yeah. And then later on when he's with Susan, he's just got Yankees paraphernalia. That's it's right. like, grow up, George. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think after this episode, uh, and this might sound a little dark, but I reckon she would have left Michael pretty soon after this. I'd say so. Um, I reckon they would have had a big fight, maybe even some aggression. Or like, Michael you know, does like, seem quite aggressive. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And we'll 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 talk about him in a second, but I think she would have left him very soon after this event. And I reckon she would have had to have like taken a restraining order, maybe even changed her name, like yeah. do do those sort of things that victims of domestic violence mm-hmm. violence unfortunately yeah. have to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I you know, so. after maybe moving through that sort of difficult period. 
I reckon she would have been a really liberated, different person. She found a new and, life. And yeah, and not, not settled for a piece of shit like Michael. Yeah. You know, and, and realized her worth and, uh, you know, sort of elevated in life, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm sure she got a really nice exit out of that and a nice ending for her. For sure. Um, yeah, but that's all I can really say. You, you've, I think you've really hit this one on the head. I yeah, it, it. I mean, it wasn't. there wasn't a lot that portrayed a darkness, but there was this kind of, like, background of, yeah. like, darkness and but control. You can, you can see Michael's, you know, he, he was a potential perpetrator of DB. For sure. For sure, based on his actions. And he's probably even yelled at her, too, mm. you know, got up her and, yeah. you know, all those... All those Things that occur, those signs and symptoms. Yeah, well, I mean, DV isn't, and for those who don't know, it's DV stands for domestic violence. Yeah, um, it's not always you know hitting or like physical violence. No, it's, no, it's emotional. It be, yeah. And I mean, he emotionally abuses her. Yeah, and he just straight up abuses her yeah. in the restaurant. Yeah, absolutely. by sort of you know castigating her for for saying, "Why aren't uh, you on my side?" Yeah, you and know, it's, it's just like, like that's such controlling entitled uh, behavior. Yeah, very. Many I guess we're behavior. I guess we're talking about Michael now. So yeah, anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. What are his credits? Uh, he's played by actor and choreographer Joseph Malone. He's known for his work on the Tracy Ullman Show and Ali McBeal, and uh, he's received Emmy awards for choreography for the TV show Boston Legal. Hmm. Yeah, there yep. you go. Yes, actor and dancer. Yeah. Um. Yes. Yeah, so anyway, Michael. Um. Yeah. No, he's a very controlling man, and yet certainly he has the characteristics of. Uh, perpetrator yeah. of domestic violence, uh, possibly. Oh, no, probably narcissistic. No, I probably wouldn't say that. I, I would. Narcissistic. I mean, there's not a lot to work with, mm. but I don't think it's a stretch to assume okay. that maybe he had some sort of narcissism. Yeah, yeah I'm no psychologist. Um, but, yeah, you know. Yeah, but now you can but see. But we're talking about Seinfeld. Absolutely. We're not, we're not actually analysing a real life case. So. And you can even see he doesn't just get aggressive to Robin; he gets aggressive to Elaine on the phone mm. too. So he's just all round an aggressive guy. Yeah, yeah. I think he just he thrives on control. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, you know, he he calls Elaine to find out where Robin is. I don't think that that's just a one-off because he thinks something's up with uh, George. Mm. I think that's a regular thing. A regular I think thing. That- he just calls it. And that's that's another sign of abuse too. Yeah. I, and, and one of the reasons why I said that Michael's a workaholic, I think he probably earns the majority of the money. Right. Or maybe Robin either stays at home or works part-time. So and, he can uh, control the person. He can control, that's right, yeah. Financial abuse. And that's another thing with domestic violence, financial abuse too. Mm. You know, he's got the purse strings and he has the say. Yeah. You know, so I think he does have the hallmarks of a perpetrator. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's all Quite kind dark, of Quite dark, isn't it? Yeah. The more we talk about it, the more very obvious it is. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Definitely. I mean, there's no, like, positives to his character at no, all. He's, he's just, just a terrible, irredeemable person. Yeah, he's yeah. a pretty shitty dude. Yes. Anyway. anyway. So that's Michael. Yeah. The, um, I, I don't really let's want... say Robin came out. Let's say Robin got out. Oh, totally. Out I mean, she was confident and uh, willing enough to say, fuck you, I'm going to just sleep with a random guy. Yeah. And I think she picked George as well. Because she knows how much Michael had it in for George, yeah, just from that rest. So it's like rubbing to it give in it his a big face. fuck you. A big yeah, fuck if she you just picked Michael. a random guy, mm. Michael would still be very, very upset. But Michael has no relationship with him, <laughs> and George but... gets so scared that he flees with Jerry for three weeks while he's yeah, on he goes tour. On the run. He goes on the run with him. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so good, but yes, fuck Michael, but yay Robin. Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to talk about Michael anymore because nah. he's uh, yeah, pretty shitty. I mean, the character. Is yeah, terrible, his character yeah. is. I think it suits the episode. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in in like in a vacuum, he's a shitty dude. Yeah, really dark undertones to his character. Anyway, let's move on to the final secondary character, Becky Gelke. She was played in an uncredited role, would you believe, hmm. uh, by Helen Slater. She That's is, really strange because yeah. she mentions her name. She, she spells it out. I know. And Becky she's, Gelke. She's G- uncredited. G-E-L-K-E. Uncredited. Can you mm. believe it? I she, mean, for the most of the episode, she's referred to as the attractive lady across the road with the blue sweatpants. But she does say her name, and even yeah. Kramer says Becky Gelke yeah. as well. Um, yeah, but it's interesting because her name and her cast like credit isn't in the 
end credits of the episode either. Yeah, right. Nothing. Huh. Weird. I don't know how that works. Anyway, Helen Slater, she's most famous for playing uh, Supergirl in the 1984 film of the same name. Okay. Yeah, that's her most famous role. Superman reference? Uh, probably that too, yeah, yeah. I guess. <laughs> well, there's yeah. one per episode, so. Yeah, yeah, that's probably it. Yeah, so she's most famous for being in that film. Um, yeah, Becky, uh, not much to say, really. Were they in the same building? No. No, different building. No, because yeah. Jerry says across the road. Across the road, that's right. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I reckon Jerry's just had a, I mean, he even admits he's had a he's crush, had a crush on her for a while. for a while, yeah. And, and she, he's been trying to think of a reason to go and talk to her. She should be on Hallmark cards. <laughs> yeah. And she's obviously attracted to Jerry. Yeah, definitely, um, yeah. I, I think she can see through Jerry's flimsy excuse to come over and talk to her. Mm. Uh, and then Jerry makes it very obvious what he wants. Yeah. And uh, she responds. You know, she does the the flirting, the touching of the arm, which but, mm. Jerry and George admit that they like. But then when Jerry pulls out the checkbook, she kind of has suspicions saying maybe Jerry was the one that hit me. But she's yeah. using he's using the friend as the cover. Yeah. yeah which, I mean, that's pretty sus. Yeah, very it's sus. It's pretty flimsy. Yeah, it Just is. Just like, yeah. uh, I'll write this check to the person that owes me money. It's yeah, like, exactly. why are you it's being like, mysterious? Yeah, very mysterious. Yeah. Why don't you just come out and say you did it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's her thing. Yeah. Do you think she goes out with Kramer because she is attracted to Kramer? Or if it's more of like a, a spiteful thing to... Because she knows that Jerry likes her. Yeah. And she, know, she probably knows that Jerry and Kramer are friends because she obviously has... A, a friendship with Kramer. Yeah. Do you think she does it almost as a, and I don't mean this in a detrimental, to sort of speak in a detrimental way about her, but almost as just like a, to almost as like a little fuck you to Jerry? I think what happened is because Kramer and Becky found common ground talking about the hit and run. Mm. And, you know, because Kramer comes in at the end and says, oh, you did it. You did a hit and run. You're a terrible person, blah, to Jerry. Yeah. And Jerry tries to explain the situation and Kramer does the, ah, yeah. you know, thing. I think they probably found common ground. And okay. then, you know, Kramer, you know, comes in and says, what do you think? What are you doing this weekend? Or you want to yep. go out? And Becky's like, yeah, why not? Okay. You know, maybe just as friends. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And in, in, the, in the final scene, Kramer's got the, the slick back hair and the suit. Yeah. He, he, looks like, he looks like a wholesome, like, 50s boy. He looks like you a know, huge like, take, car salesman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does, actually. <laughs> he a does. bit shifty. A bit shifty. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. Um, yeah. But that's all I had on her. And we never see her again. Yeah. Funny how she's not credited, Helen. Yeah. It is strange. Thing. Maybe it was some sort of like, because I know... Like crediting rules in the US is something to do with like the Actors Guild. Ah, oh, okay. There's something about like, you know, there's like a lot of weird conditions and rules yeah. about like, you know, whether you're with the Guild and whether you're not with the Guild. Maybe it was something to do with that. If you're an actor in the US, let us know. If you're involved in the Guild, uh, let us know. Yeah, or if you know generally. Yeah. Because that's, yeah, it's not like she played such a minor role that you could understand not being credited. Of course. Um, she had like a couple of scenes. There's got to be a reason. Ah, absolutely. Anyway, anyway, they were the secondary characters from The Good Samaritan. When we come back, we are going to find out where it sits in our episodes we have reviewed so far and if any of today's secondaries make our top 20. Really? I, I was only kidding around. He was only joking, Michael. You think you're so damn special because you say God bless you? Well, I, I, I don't think I'm special. I, my mother always said I'm not special. <laughs> joking michael i'm sorry all right take his side where does the good samaritan sit on the episodes that we've reviewed so far on the list number 33 out of 118 for oh, me wow, that's quite really high. high yeah, yeah. really enjoyed it and i like how jason like he directed it and he kind of put his spin on it and while it did feel like a seinfeld episode i liked how it felt a bit more grounded you know it was a bit more uh, realistic of sorts. Yeah, I just really enjoyed the direction and, and the way it all worked. And yeah, it was quite an enjoyable episode. An episode which I haven't seen for a very long time. And uh, yeah, I really, it was really surprised me. 
Yeah. It's not really talked about this episode. So No, uh, yeah. I, I'd say the only parts that are generally remembered uh, is Kramer's... Uh, seizures. Seizures. And you're so good looking. Yeah. But that's, even then, that's not really a yep. prominent catchphrase in yeah. the Seinfeld universe. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, that's me. What about you, bud? Uh, it comes in at number 57. Okay, yeah. Yeah, good. so not terrible. Yeah. Um, but it's in your first half. Generally solid. Top half, yeah. Yeah. Um, what I really liked is a lot of the time when there's four storylines, because every character had their own storylines in the episode, some were weighted more heavily to, uh, you know, like Jerry and George's storylines were more, uh, took up more of the script than Kramer and Elaine's. Yes. But most of the time when there's four concurrent storylines, they all sort of move along at their own pace and then they come together at the end. Mm. Whereas in this one, and I think maybe it was uh, because of Jason directing, they all sort of like intertwined throughout the episode. They did, rather yes. than running independently and then merging at the end. They sort of mixed and matched. They, yeah, like, that was through. a very good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, yeah. like they weren't their own things, and then they coalesce at the end. They mm. were moving in in and out of each other's storylines throughout, which I think yeah, was, that like, was different. I think that's what maybe contributed to the slightly different vibe of the episode. And and yeah, absolutely. And one other thing I liked as well is I loved how it was very in most parts it was very Elaine centric yeah. as well. There's not many episodes where Elaine is almost like. The central focus, especially in the earlier episodes. Yeah, absolutely. So it was good. It was good for Jason yeah. and Peter to Peter Melman to give mm. her more, you know, screen time and opportunities. Yeah, for it's sure. It's good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I really liked it. Yeah. Any other? Uh, well, any secondary characters make you twenty? No. Nah. All good. Anyway, the special mention to Robin. I, I didn't mind her. Yeah, no, she Robin was, was cool. Yeah, she was good. Anyway, that is Bidwabask for another week. Thank you, as always, for listening to us and getting in touch with us. We love your emails, your texts, your socials, yada, yada. Next week, we are staying with Season 3, and we're talking about The Fix-Up. Nice. Yes, with the defective condom. <laughs> you can follow us on social media at B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C. We do have an email address. We haven't got many emails in a while, so we'd love to, for you to get in touch. Podcast at gmail.com. You can find those links in the show notes. And you can support us financially through PayPal. And uh, on March 7th, we are releasing episodes of Curbcast. It was a previously a Patreon-only season or series, but uh, we're releasing the rest of the episodes to everyone. Else. Yeah, because we uh, paused our Patreon uh, last week for uh, an indefinite period of time, we figured, well, we may as well release something that was exclusive to the to, to our general listener public. So yes. why uh, let it go to waste? That's right. So Curbcast is our episode-by-episode review of Curb Your Enthusiasm, and we did do Season 1. You can listen to Episode 1 right now, but Episode 2 will be released on March 7th on Saturday Australian time, and we'll release an episode each week. See, Episodes 2 to 10. So how exciting for you. An extra yes. bonus episode for your weekends. Indeed. And your weekends away at the Hamptons. You can listen <laughs> to that. And finally, if you want to join the fun uh, on Seinfeldisms, it's uh, the, I guess, the unofficial Facebook group for Bidwabask. Yes, it is. We have 30,000 members. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just type Seinfeldisms into Facebook and join the fun. That's right. Don't be a douchebag and, uh, yeah. You'll, you'll be just uh, fine. Be, you'll be, be just a good fine. Samaritan. And Indeed. if you do a hit and run, go to the police. Yeah, that's right. My name's Ivan. And I'm Stephen. We'll see you next week for The Fix-Up. You take care. Eduardo Carroccio. Carroccio.